Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we focus on the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the ego of all their people at the table. I'm your host, Dungeon Master Mitch. And I'm Dungeon Master Chris. And we want to welcome you back to another episode. Today we're going to be talking about, what do you know? D&D. And when I say D&D, I specifically mean death and dying rules in Dungeons and Dragons. That's awesome. I didn't even realize you were trying to do that. <laughs> there you go, clever girl. <laughs> death and dying in Dungeons and Dragons. We're going to talk about PC deaths and how to handle them. And then we're going to talk about specifically how we as DMs handle death and dying, the rules that we have. Uh, homebrewed behind death and dying rules and um, how we handle death and dying in our campaigns. But before we do that, let's go to shout outs as we do every week. Our first shout out comes from Rosemary, Rosemary Morgan. And when I read Rosemary Morgan, Chris, uh, and any of you Walking Dead fans will get that this out there. I The first thing I thought of was Terminus Mary. Oh, so, yeah. Um, Fairly recent. <laughs> <laughs> pretty awesome. But too, so soon? Ro- too soon? Too soon. Yeah. Um, so Rosemary Mary's been a special fan. She's been uh, promoting us online on Twitter and stuff, so we want to give a special shout-out to her. Uh, her comment is entitled, Been Helping Me Out. It's a five-star comment, once again, which is awesome. And she says, As a new DM, this cast has helped me out a lot. I need all the help I can get. Thanks, guys. You're welcome, Rosemary Morgan. Yeah. Uh, second one comes from King Stomp's biographer. Now, this is our friend Jared. Yep. He wrote us a, a review, a really lengthy one, actually. I think he legitimately <laughs> listens to the show, too. So I think it's like him being a friend supporting us, but also saying, like, no, this is actually pretty yeah. good. He wrote a really lengthy one, so I'm going to share a portion of it. He writes, for those of you who are players, this is a great source of entertainment, as well as understanding your DM and his slash her challenges. And though DM Chris and DM Mitch consider the DM the most important player at the table... Uh, it is a sad picture to see when a DM is sitting alone at a table behind a DM shield. So, Jared, thank you for that. Give thank us a five-star so review. We yes. love you. You're awesome, Jared. All right, well, let's uh, get on to story time. Story time. The time during the episode where we talk about what happened last week during our campaigns, our favorite moments, what we learned about ourselves, and what we learned about each other. Please join us now. As we enjoy story time. So story time today, Mitch. What do you have for us? I know you played your campaign this past week. Uh, anything exciting, interesting happened in there? Yeah, we uh, had a really good week. Unfortunately, you had prior obligations. Yeah, I did. Yeah. So you weren't able to join us this week. However, your character was still able to join us this week. So this week, the almost the entire night took place in an inn called the Comeback Inn, which I had gotten from... I just recently read this book of Dice and Men, and the author talks about an inn that they visited called the Comeback Inn, in which it was enchanted, and so I kind of took a leaf out of that book and decided to put that in in my world, but the inn was an inn that was run by the god Oladomara. Now, Oladomara has uh, popped up in a couple of my campaigns, and he likes to mess with you guys. And so uh, the group gets to this comeback inn, and they go inside, and they spend the night. And the the innkeeper, who they don't know yet, is Oladamara, tells them to go and feed their horses, gives them water, gives them food, like before they go to sleep. And one of the guys steps outside and right back into the inn. What's funny is my character would have probably recognized that this yeah. is Tomorrow. <laughs> well, your character ate too much chicken and went to bed feeling really tired. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> but so true. he. Uh, the one character stepped aside to feed the horses and stepped right back in. 
And he's like, what the heck? And so he tried it again, and he stepped outside, and he stepped right back in. And then he realized the name of the inn was the Comeback Inn. And so it was enchanted that you couldn't leave, um, at least through the front door. So before they had realized this, uh, they got to talk with a couple of the characters in the inn. Besides the innkeeper, there was a leprechaun, which they I described him. They didn't know it was a leprechaun. Players, they knew. The leprechaun I, tells I, me to burn yeah, things. I described it as <laughs> a really, really short-looking halfling with red hair, all green clothes. Like, you know, like, so player-wise, they're like, that's a leprechaun. Yeah. So one of them went over, and the leprechaun said, I, I'll teach you a song if you buy me a drink for each, each verse. And so one of the players starts buying him drinks, and he's teaching him this song. And right away, the player realizes, I gotta know this song for some reason. Because it starts out, like, with, we go left, we go right, and then we turn around. And so, like, they're, like, getting directions for something right. from this song. And I wouldn't let him, like, write it down. I was like, nope, you gotta, like, keep singing it. Yep. So he just kept on singing it and singing it. And then the other character sits down with this, like, shady-looking guy with the hood and the guy's just talking to him about old Damara because he worships old Damara and giving him just like talking about how cool Damara is and old Damara is named this and that. Not knowing that later on everything that he said was going to be crucial to because they were going to be tested later on or they sure. were going to be able to leave the dungeon. Or they would have just, they would have gotten a different, another chance, but they would have had really bad consequences. Right. So all the, these, these two characters are talking to two different people and they're getting really crucial information. And it was just funny seeing them go through the dungeon and our one friend Caleb is has to continue to sing in every single room because he has to be like, all right, what is the this verse? And then they had to think of the verse, see what's in front of them and figure it out. And they like, yeah. at one point they, like he remembered one of the parts of this verse was we dance throughout the night. But the real verse was we dance around the night because there were statues of all the gods and they had to dance around Heronius. Right. And so they danced for like eight hours and nothing and happened. And nothing happened. They and just like, danced in the room. I'm like, all right, roll intelligence check. You remember that it's not danced throughout the night. It's something else. And he's like, uh, uh, oh, it was dance around the night. I'm going to go dance around Heronius. And I do. And the statue moves and opens up a door. And our one friend Mark just grabs him and it's just like, we danced for eight <laughs> hours. <laughs> like you forgot those words. <laughs> like it was. It was so, like the most crucial point. You're like yeah, at the end, and they forget that one word. It was so funny. And so they they went through this like dungeon like in in the cellar because they were told the cellar door is the only door not enchanted, and they had to go through puzzles, quizzes, and consequences if they yeah. got things wrong. My one of my favorite parts of the night was your character. You were not there, however. Yeah. Your character went upstairs, ate too much chicken, like, and fell into an enchanted sleep. When the other two players, like, asked the, the innkeeper about, like, why is, he, why is he, like, asleep? Well, first of all, they went up to your room, and they, like, go to, like, wake you, and I'm, like, there. He's, like, snoring like he's never snored before. And so the Mark's character, Rick's, is, like, I smack him in the face to wake him up. And I'm, like, as soon as you touch him, he starts to inflate like a balloon and float <laughs> towards the ceiling, still asleep. So you're like sleeping, but floating towards the ceiling. And like, they're like, what do we do? I'm like, you look up and the ceiling is really a lot taller than you thought it was. And like, they grabbed you just in time. They tied you uh, to a rope around your like foot and like around their waist. So they're going through this dungeon. Carrying around like a balloon. With you like a balloon. <laughs> and it's so funny. So you, they end up walking down the steps and the innkeeper's like, oh... He ate too much chicken. And they're like, what do you mean he ate too much chicken? It's like the dressing. 
The dressing the, the does sauce. that if you eat it. The sauce. Well, and they're like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And he's like acting like it's a normal thing. Like, why didn't he know that if he ate too much chicken with the sauce that he this would happen to him? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Didn't um didn't Caleb at one point in time he had to like go to the bathroom or like in the other room or something like that and he was still singing the song throughout oh, the yeah, whole yeah. apartment? Yeah, Caleb the player went <laughs> into the bathroom and like my wife is like, he's still singing the song. <laughs> <laughs> it was very entertaining to watch. Yeah. That was our night. It yeah. was a fun. Night. I wish I could have been there. Yeah, we wish. I, I tried to too. make it later in the night, but I got I got hung up at the the obligation I had. Unfortunately, you were but. there in spirit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so we didn't get to play your campaign yet. We'll be playing that this upcoming week. Yep. So we thought it might be good if you shared a story about D and D, about D and D, and about death. So you thought of a good one. And it's not necessarily well. There is death in it, but it's more pretty a, close. Yeah, yeah. like on the brink experience. of it. Yeah. So why don't you share that? Story? So uh, in your past campaign, Mitch, we we had a couple moments in time where we had to play with all three of our characters. Yeah. So at you one guys point in time. all were part of a guild, and we had three characters each player. Yep. And then some boss battles <clears> we'd have. Like you had said, all three of them had all in three one battle. The battle was so crazy. Yeah, and on this particular night, we were fighting a huge flesh golem and a bunch of little goblins that were running around and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, the flesh golem had like a chain that was electric and a sword that was on fire. Crazy. Yeah, it was awful. Yeah. It was awful. And so at one point in time during the night, my characters were all kind of grouped together closely and we had a warforged that was there. Yeah. Uh, our other our friend's other character. Mark Mullenix, yeah. And he at one point in time, now he, he found a flamethrower pack yep. uh, at one point in time and was like, I'm going to put it on and use it. And he did. And at one point in time, he took a little too much damage. I think he got crit hit or something like that. Like well, crit and... I think what happened was, I think some of the other... Besides the Flesh Golem, there's like lots of these these other guild members, like an enemy guild. Yeah. And I think they, they had some of these flamethrowers or something like that. And so he got hit. And I warned him, I'm like, if this pack gets hit by fire you have to roll a percentile chance and you might explode. Yeah. And so that <laughs> happened. He he exploded. Yeah. He, he failed his percentile check. And he all three of my characters are right next <laughs> are to him. in the air, yeah, area of effect. It was like 20 feet or something like that was the radius. You had just joined us. I had just... That was, this was the you first had just night. Three this characters. was like 20 minutes this into is, the yeah, first this night. This was like 20 if that minutes yeah. into the first yeah. time yeah. you were and playing. So first night, 20 minutes in, my all three of my characters almost died. Which now we know, <laughs> looking back, death was a pretty regular thing in this campaign. Yeah. But on the first night, all three of my characters almost dying. Like they were down to extremely low negative points and I was freaking out for my characters I was like I have to remake three characters I was freaking out because I'm like this is Chris's first time (laughs) like okay one character dies whatever he just plays another character for the night but like we had more to do for yeah, the night. Yeah, and it's I was like, gonna be stuck. It, all of his characters are gonna be dead. <laughs> like it wasn't like they were just dead; they exploded. Yeah, like, was, <laughs> it, they would have been obliterated, you know. And so, luckily, I think I have the damage for all of them. And then I just was basically just at the mercy of how long this battle took to finish because yeah. I was just like, well, my characters are gonna be screwed <laughs> if it takes too long, you know. So that was the closest. I've had one character die. We talked about Balfron already, but that was the closest I remember to. Why did all your characters almost die in explosions? <laughs> almost died or did die. Balfron, Balfron, yeah, that's funny. Balfron almost died from a huge explosion and then he did die from a huge explosion. This is kind of funny. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Stay away from anything yeah, like right. that looks combustible yeah. in, our, in yeah. our future campaigns yeah. and maybe you'll be right. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back to, to DMing. It's been, last time I DMed was October 9th so i'm looking forward to getting back to dming my campaign again i have more stories for you playing in your campaign yeah 
Yeah. yeah so, that. cool. Well, let's uh, let's move on to the meat of the episode, shall That's we? Good. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meat? What about them? Headfresh. They are not for eating. What about their legs? They don't need those. Ooh, they look tasty. Good back, Tom! Carve it up! Fist the mouthful! No! Looks like meat back on the menu, boys! Death and dying. That's what we're going to talk about today on the meat. And of course, to start off, we're going to talk about dying and how that works in both 3.5 and in 5e. Dying, of course, comes before death. So in 3.5, dying is the time where you are at the health of negative 1 to negative 9. If you're at 0, you're disabled, and basically being disabled means you're still conscious, but most things that you could do while being disabled, besides drinking a health potion, would make you start dying. So you start, if you're, the idea of you're dying is you're, you're bleeding out. There's weapons that won't make you bleed out because you're taking non-lethal damage, right. but you're bleeding out, you're on your way to death. Now there's a couple ways to stop you from dying, and that's other players giving you health potions, casting curing spells on you, and just simply running over and rolling a health uh, check to see if they can stabilize you. Right. Besides that, you can control your own your own fate by rolling at the end of each round that you are dying and bleeding out a percentile check. So you roll the percentile dice and if you get a 10 if you get 10%, so 1 to 10%, then you become stable. If that doesn't happen, you continue dying, you continue bleeding out and losing one point of health. Once you reach negative 10, you're dead. So, I mean, in a way, you, with the stabilizing rule, you have quite a few chances to roll that 10%. Right. Now, this is different than in 5e, Chris. You want to talk about how it's different in 5e? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, in 5e, zero is when you can, are considered to start dying. You yep. fall unconscious. There's no disabled where you can still sort of do things like in 5e, or in 3.5. In 5e, the minute you get to zero... You have to start making what are called death saving throws. So there, there is no negative one, negative two. There's nothing like that. No. Nope. It okay. is completely left up to fate at this point. So what you do for a death saving throw is you are at zero health points or zero hit points. You have to roll a d20. If the roll is 10 or higher, you succeed, uh, which means you have, you have successfully tried to get back to a stable point in time. You have to make three of those checks. You have to make either three to the... I'm getting closer to uh, being stable, or you fail if you roll lower than a 10, and you progress closer to completely dying. If you get three, you're completely dead. If you get three, or if you get uh, three to the positive side, you are back in what's considered stable condition. You're still unconscious, but you're not dying anymore. What's interesting about this is if you roll one or 10 through 19, you get one. You roll a, a, a 20, you get plus two to that. Anytime you're healed, uh, I believe you can go back up to one health point and you're considered stable again. So clearly there are some differences between the idea of what is dying and 
how you get stabilized from the version of 3.5 to 5e. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, now we, when we did our 5e review, this was a point of us, some of our group like disagreeing on what was better and what was worse. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that there's parts of each of them that are good. And we would say, uh, maybe I like this part better. Maybe I like this part better. Do you, I believe that you said you liked 5e's version better. Yeah, I like it because it leaves it more up to fate, personally. There's not the, uh, like, one of the issues that I had with 3.5 is, it's like, you go to negative 10. Well, if you take more than 10 points of damage, say you're at, like, 2 and you take 12 points of damage, you're dead. Or you take, you know, 9 points of damage, you have, like, 3 points of bleed out left until you're dead. So you have like, you have three rounds until you get down to 12. Now, if you only took like three points of damage, you're at negative one, you have a long time before you're dead if nobody else hits you again, which is really nice for 3.5. But for 5e, they don't have such a thing. You know, like they have it where you just have to simply roll. And if you make three positives, you're safe. You don't have to worry about this, potentially it being a great thing or a bad thing. It's just like, well, it's the same for everybody, no matter what, whether you go down or not. So would you say that you believe that 5e gives you a better chance of surviving? Because I think that's what De- we disagree Depending with. on the situation, yeah. yes. And I think and if I you agree. get down to like one point away from negative 10, you're going to die no matter what. Yeah. But one of the things I like about this is it, it, it gives people an automatic chance to try and survive. No matter if, you know, theoretically speaking, they were at negative 1 or negative 9. They have three chances to get back to a stable point, which I I kind of like. Yeah, I think that you hit the nail on the head when you say it depends on the circumstances. Yeah. Because I think for the way that we play, I think the 3.5 rules are more friendly towards players dying. And I think that whether we disagree or disagree on that fact, I think that both of us probably would agree that we think that Whichever system is friendlier towards the players not dying is the system that's better. Yeah. Because I think we both see player death as being like, that should be a, a difficult thing and it shouldn't be happening like crazy. Yeah. Yes, we yeah. both agree yep, on that. Yeah, I agree on that. Um, now, I think the reason why I think the 3.5 is a little bit more friendly towards that is because I think you're right. Like, if you get brought down to like negative 14, or not, sorry, negative 9, I'm thinking about the way we play, right. then you have one round. To stabilize. Or somebody to heal you or whatever. Or you're dead. Whereas if you get brought, if you would get potentially brought down to that in 5e, there is no negative. So it's just your zero and you get three chances to hopefully survive. Right. So really in 5e, you get a maximum, what would it be? Like five, five rounds to stabilize because you could roll a a success, a fail, a success, a fail. Yeah. The least you could have was three. Three rounds. Yeah. The now most in, you could have was five. Yep. In, yeah. With the sixth one being in you rolled either side. That goes the other way of you could have a lot more, like you said, or a lot less. Yeah. Now I think in when you're fighting a boss in three point five that has the potential to do a crazy ton of damage, you're gonna fall more in that pers- that spectrum of you're closer to that negative ten than closer to that negative right. one. Yeah. But if I, th- I think if you're fighting like smaller creatures and minions, you're going to be closer to that negative one than you are to that negative nine, right. giving you in a minion-like battle a higher percentage than 5e to survive. Right. Whereas in a boss battle, you'd have a lower percentage than in 
5e if you're as long as they're not doing the crazy math that would just instantly kill you than you would in 3.5 yeah and i think the way that we play we have a lot more battles with smaller characters minions than we do boss battles yeah so i there's not people pumping out yeah, tons of damage I tend all the time to yeah. think that the and and this also hinges on our homebrew rules that we will talk about right. later i think that the way we play with 3.5 is a safer way than five. It's a lot more player friendly. Yeah, sure. I think that's why I I enjoy it. And we don't even play with this ten percent chance of stabilizing. Yeah. It's you got to be healed or you yeah. took non lethal. I I would argue that when you get to higher levels in five e, this is still it's actually more friendly than what three point five is because mm-hmm. three point five is negative ten no matter what. Yeah. Uh, there are theoretical negatives in five e if that makes sense. Like. So, for example, for you to instantly die, take, for example, in in the book, it has an example of a cleric who's a maximum of 12 hit points. Say they're currently at 6 health points. For them to instantly die, if they were to take 18 points of damage from an attack, they have to exceed what their maximum hit points is on the negative side of the spectrum. So if they got 18, they're instantly dead. So say you're you're fighting a boss and you're you have 83 health at whatever level that would be in 5e. You have 83 health you would have to get to a theoretical negative 83 in order for you to die, not a negative 10 and you're dead instantly. That's where it becomes more player-friendly, yeah, if that makes I, sense. I, I agree with that. I think that when you're talking about like higher levels, 5e, the higher level you go, it does become a little bit more friendly towards... It's a little bit more equal on the sense of your characters getting high death is always going to have the same percentage no matter what level you're at whereas in 3.5 that's not going to be the case because that negative if you get down low enough you're going to be the higher level you're at the higher level enemies are going to be at the higher chance there you're going to be to if you're going to die if you're going to go down to negatives you're closer to that negative see here's the thing about 3.5 that i really like now that i'm thinking about a little bit more when you get down to those low numbers you're freaking out way more mm-hmm. about potentially dying than say, oh, I have I have negative eighty three points that I get to play around with. You know, I mean, you still have to make those three saves, so it's you know, you still have a pretty good chance of dying. But whereas when you're at negative ten and you're at like five health and somebody's going to do forty points of damage to you next turn if you don't get out of the yeah. way or hide, like that's freaking scary. But even you know? even with all that said, with the you know at higher levels, it's going to be scarier. You could very easily go, well, then I'm going to change that. And at a certain level, it's not going to be negative 10. It's going to be negative this. It's going to be negative that. Sure. Because yeah. that, and that makes sense. Now that's, you know, uh, as far as I've seen, there's never any been any standardized rules like from books that go through that. But it'd be very, it'd be pretty simple to put together some homebrew rules on at, you know, leveling up. You Even if it was just your dead is negative 10 plus the level you're at. Yeah. Like, that helps even a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, I, uh, I understand both points of that. I think there's things to be said from both sides in dying. I think what I don't like about the 5E is that if you're going to die, you could very you could very easily die by rolling three times in a row, nine or under, and there's no, there's no accounting to, to your fortitude, to your constitution. And that being said, there's not in 3.5 either. However, you could roll three just bad rolls in a row and you're, you're dead. You're out. Yeah. Which to me is, is so rough that it could, every time, all it takes is three bad rolls and you're dead. Yeah. I also think you're unconscious, so I don't know if any of that would account anyways. I mean, you're not 
cognitively thinking well, about any thinking of that. About, thinking about, like, it's talking about Constitution, a, a wizard that gets hit who's a scrawny wizard logically might take longer to die than, like, if you watch Game of Thrones, like, you have the Mountain, who's this big, huge fighter guy, and he gets the crap beat out of him. And you're like, all right, awesome, he's... Well, spoiler alert, spoiler. All right, awesome, he's dead. Like, And then the next episode, he's not dead, you know? So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think that that would be something that I personally would, if I was playing 5e, homebrew rules around, maybe Constitution being a little bit better there. But at the same time, then that also sucks for if you're making a wizard, he's just even more killed. Sure, sure. So, I don't know. I just, I don't like that fact that three bad rolls can end with you dying every single combat. Yeah. Because we've seen that happen so often that, like, it's amazing how often it's like, man, I'm just not rolling good tonight. And on those nights, man, I'm just not rolling good tonight. You have a huge chance of dying. Yeah. But anyway, uh, let's move on to death rules and what happens after your character does not survive that dying. Now, once you get to either negative 10, or once you miss those three and you get those three failing checks on saving throws for 5e, you are now, your character is dead. So where do you go from there? Well, one of the things is either you, you have the choice to, your group is going to resurrect your character, or your character's dead, you move on, you make a new character. Right. Let's talk about the idea of resurrecting first, since it is a fantasy world. You have that choice. But there are, in both 5e and 3e, there are different spells for resurrection. There are different limitations. A lot of them are the same in both editions. And we're not going to go into a crazy amount of uh, what they are. But I believe in 5e, and I know in 3e, there's... Four types of resurrection spells. You have reincarnate, uh, you have raise dead, you have resurrection, and then you have true resurrection. And going in that order from least to greatest, those are like the ways you can resurrect people, and uh, they're available at from low to high levels, and they can also be paid by from a cleric at a temple. And going from reincarnate up to true resurrection, they get more and more and more expensive. Let's talk about some of the mechanics. Bes- behind the idea of resurrecting. One of the first mechanics is the fact that the time period, uh, if you notice throughout all of these spells that we talked about, the time period gets greater from one to another. So mm-hmm. one the, you know, one of them could be it lasts... That creatures like, can be dead. Yeah, it can be period. dead. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it can be a matter of it's been dead for 10 days and yep. you can use this spell to resurrect this creature still. Or if they've been dead for, say, 200 years... Uh, you would obviously have to use a more powerful spell like True Resurrection in order that that creature can be resurrected. Because, I mean, it's pretty obvious if the longer you've been dead, the more you've decayed, the more you're going to need, the more help you're going to need to to be resurrected. Yeah, so not only are these spells greater in the amount that they resurrect these characters at, but it's the amount of time they're dead. So, like, yeah, you uh, go on a long trip and one of your characters dies and it's a simple death, that you could use a simple resurrection spell on. Well, it doesn't matter because maybe you had him out. He's been dead for longer than the amount of time. So the only way to right. resurrect him is by 
casting one of those greater spells. Yep. And the more time that you spend spending money, it's going to be like, yeah, we definitely, or figuring out how to get that money is, yep, we yeah. need we need that spell even more now because he's been dead for longer. Yeah, I like that. I like that they can be resurrected at such a like, like going from ten days to like over a century. Like, yeah, we've never done that where we've ha- where we've resurrected somebody from the past or something in a campaign. Yeah, we that's have. kind of interesting to. Yeah think about like might be something we could even add at some point yeah, in time you could you could have a character that in a sense is just constantly resurrected like and you play them at like in my can in my world we have played at certain time points in history you could have a playable character that we resurrect because he's been re- uh, you know he's only been dead for 200 uh, years yeah. right at the hit mark yeah. you can you can resurrect him bring yeah. him back maybe you him need again. him for a specific event yeah. like or the- maybe maybe that's one of the hinges of the adventure maybe yeah. you're one of your characters Chris you want to role play him again we send her a campaign as him as like the catalyst to it but he needs to be resurrected yeah. and then I you feel get to like, play him again I That'd feel like it would have to almost be that though because I feel like if you created some random NPC unless mm-hmm. it was somebody that was crucially needed for your campaign yep. There really wouldn't be that incentive to spend, to spend all the money, money and or they'd have to or it wouldn't it would have to be them not doing the spending in the money yeah or they're giving yeah. the money to do it or something right yeah. right yeah, yeah right it, it would they have, have to, to be, they have to find the body in it order would have to do to be it or something like that to do it and even if it was crucial like you said we're talking about the higher level spells that cost yeah. a lot of money that's that's actually our next point is that they range in expenses. And there's the expenses of material costs and labor costs. Because labor costs aren't that expensive, but when it comes to material costs, it can they cost can get a lot. expensive. Yeah. So if you're going to bring back a character that's been dead for a couple, like like couple, like a century or two, it's like, it's going to cost you a lot. So if you make that a hinge Better point... Better be worth that, it. Yeah, you make that a hinge point for your characters. Expect that if you make them pay it, I would expect a lot of complaining at the table. And in my opinion, rightful complaining in most circumstances... That, oh, you're making us just waste our money. Like, we worked hard for this. Now you're deciding that this is going to be a plot point, And so you're making, we have the money, so you're going to make us waste it. Yeah. I could see that being an issue. So you need to think about that tactfully as the DM, how to use that. Yeah. On on top of all of that, our, our third point is, is, like, the spells that you're going to use have limitations on them, mm-hmm. too. So yep. even even if somebody's only been dead for, say, 10 days, it, with a simple with a simple spell of, of either raise dead or reincarnate, like, if your heart is blown out, yeah, let's it doesn't about... matter. Like, that's yes. one of the limitations of those first two spells is it has to... You can't be missing a head no. or anything vital, or otherwise you, you have to automatically spend a little bit more well, money on an expensive I, I spell. I believe in reincarnate, you can... Be missing part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, but in yeah. Raise Dead, yeah, that's one of the things that the book makes, makes it. For the spell Raise Dead, it's a less powerful spell for raising people from the dead. Yeah, if they've lost an arm, they're not going to come back with that arm. It yeah, says it won't regenerate re- it. Yeah. yeah, it's not regenerating that arm, which can be kind of cool if you, like, we'll have a future episode about, like, flaws in characters and how they can be really fun. But, yeah, like, you lose an arm, you lose a leg, like, you're gonna have to deal with that if you're using a raised dead spell to resurrect a character. Now, if you start to decay, do you do you stay decayed, too? Like, does that? I, I don't, I I don't know imagine, about that. No, I yeah. that. That's And that's why there's that amount of time Right, for that. yeah. I liked what your 5e book, because it doesn't state this in the 3.5 editions, but to me it still makes sense. It's just not something that's stated that they thought to write into the DMG, but in 5e it says it doesn't recreate lost body parts. Now, remember... That if, if the creature lost lung or a heart or a brain, resurrecting those characters with the raised dead spell, 
they're just going to die. They, they can't yeah. be resurrected. Well, well, here it says the spell, uh, it, it doesn't even work. It yeah. automatically fails. They don't even like, yeah. like hello, good, dead again. It's <laughs> yeah. like, it, it just Why doesn't would work. Why you bring me back without lungs? <laughs> you, yeah, you know I'm going to die. It's like, oh. it just, the no noise comes out right. when they try to breathe. <laughs> uh, but so, like, yeah, there, there are spell limitations, mm-hmm. you know, to uh, how effective a spell is going to be. Now, here's the deal. If you are blown to bits, or there's you know you're missing a heart or a brain or something like that, fear or you're not, just, or you're just a finger, yeah, or you're just a finger. Fear not, there is a way for you to be resurrected. You may not look like your normal self, yep. but the spell reincarnate has I th- I think in three point five I know in five e it has a a chart that you can look at, yep. and it's it's a cheaper spell. Um, you have to be less dead less than ten days. You roll a d one hundred. And whatever you roll is what you come back as. Yeah, so like the material components that you're using, you touch that like whatever's left of the dead, deceased person, and then the material components create this new body. And like right. you said, it's random. So you're yeah. going to be brought back, but you're in the body. Your yeah. soul is in the body of another yep. creature. Yep. Now so for, in, yeah, in, yeah, in 5e, what are, what are some of those creatures? 5e, it's like you are base races. So yep. you can be dragonborn, variations of dwarf, variations of elf. Variations of gnome, variations of orc, um, halfling, tiefling, or a half elf. Now, so, are there are they all equal percentile rolls for? No, tiefling is very low. Human is fairly big. It's seventy seven to ninety six. Gotcha. Tiefling is ninety seven to one hundred. Dragonborn is one to four, um, and then the other ones are about the Barriers, same. They're yeah. they're pretty close in between there. Yeah, but there's there's varying degrees to what you can yeah. come back as. In three point five, you have a one percent chance of becoming a bugbear, a one percent chance of becoming a lizard folk, and a one percent chance of becoming either a troglodyte or just as other. So I guess the DM gets to choose. Let's <laughs> make them into. The, oh, you came back as a pig. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but, yeah, like uh, you. The rest of them are pretty. Oh, you have all. You also have a one percent chance of becoming a gnoll. But the rest of them oh, are sure. pretty pretty big ranges. There's dwarf, elf, gnome, goblin, half elf, blah blah, blah kobold, human. And so one of the things we stated that was interesting about it was, and this is probably too because five E has just started, so there's not as many rules. Right. The three point five table gives you a lot more options, and your five uh, E has base stuff, which yeah. makes it a little bit more simple. Yeah. Um, you don't need to go out of standard books to find certain things that you come sure. back as. I do like the idea of rolling a 1% getting your getting your elf ranger turned back into a bugbear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it is um I think that's such a funny like resurrection spell. I think in in 5e you said it's the second most expensive raised dead or second least expensive yeah. raised dead raised dead is the least then it's where, reincarnate. Where it is it is seen as the least expensive in in 3.5, but yeah. it's it's interesting the thought of the role playing doors that are open by I was reincarnated my buddies brought me back maybe they didn't want to spend <laughs> the money <laughs> like uh maybe they didn't have the money uh, and so they bring you back and you got you come back to life you look and uh you wake up and all of a sudden you're looking at your hands you're like why are my hands scaly with nails oh no i'm a lizard yeah right right <laughs> i mean i guess i guess one reason that reincarnate may have changed cause i think it was cheaper mm-hmm. for you in there right it may be the fact that they looked at it and said it requires a lot more materials to make a whole Depending on the degree of death, uh, it'll cost a little bit more. And there's also that part of reincarnate that's like, at least you come back as a whole individual. Well, that's 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 a positive thing. If you get yeah. if you get blown to smithereens, like you don't have the option of being raised from the dead. Right. Whereas you do 
or reincarnate. So whereas 3.5 saw reincarnate as the worst one because you're not being brought back as yourself. Right. 5e may have went, yeah, but at least, you know, you can be, you could be reincarnated no matter if we right. have, as long as we have a piece of you, whereas right. with Raised Dead, it's, you have to yeah. be so, still So intact. it's like if you, if you were an elf, but you were missing a leg, well, what good are you at that yeah. point in time? Like, you're missing an arm, that's one thing, but say you're missing a leg, like, you can't do anything that requires movement. So it's like, do we bring him back so he can still fit in with his people, or do we bring him back or so gotta, he can... Or you peg leg and move Yeah, or you got a peg leg, and then, I mean, like I said, you can't move very fast, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, would he rather be come back as something else so that he can move his full movement speed and, and do everything, you know? So I think... I. Yeah, I like reincarnate. I think it's fun. If if your person's missing a leg or something like that, you know, like it's it's fun. Like, hmm, I wonder what wonder what they're gonna come back as. You know, exactly. Yeah. Dragonborn <laughs> comes back as a gnome. And I would always let the player roll that percentage. Oh yeah, because yeah. they get to they get to have that fate in their hands. And yep. Let's see. And what there you is get. a chance in five E where you'll come back exactly what you were. Yep. The chance is not huge, but it's always a possibility. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. Same yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on what you choose. Yep. But so those are those are some of the limitations besides that that they have. Now, moving on, there are other limitations, more more so consequences that come along with certain certain spells. Now, True Resurrection, for both editions, that's the ultimate resurrection spell. You're brought back, there's really no consequences, you don't need any part of the body, and that, hence, is why it's such a high-level spell and one that costs a ridiculous so amount of money to yeah. be able to like go to Temple and say, uh, hey... My buddy died. Can I true resurrect some? That's why D and D, the D and D world, is not like people getting resurrected all the time because most people don't have the money yeah. to re resurrect yeah. their their buddies. Yeah, I was looking through cost of living stuff in Five E, and I was like, yeah, there's no way yeah. that somebody's gonna have twenty five thousand gold <laughs> laying around. So in three point five, a lot of the consequences have to do with losing levels, losing constitution points. Now in Five E, that is not the case. Yeah, in 5e for raised dead and resurrection, it's it says when you come back, the dead, it's an, it's an ordeal. Uh, the target takes a negative four penalty to all attack rolls, saving throws, and ability checks. Mm -hmm. So it's not that you lose levels, you just take negative four on basically everything. Now, the solution to 3.5's losing levels is... You have to gain them back. You level, you, yeah, you're, you're going to be lower, so the idea is you're lower than the rest of the party, so the idea is you're going to be getting the same amount of XP... However, you'll level up a little bit quicker because you're lower. Right. Now, the thing is, you're unless other playable characters die, no matter how close you get, you're never going to be exactly you're the never same. never going to get full um, back up there. Now, the solution to 5e's negatives yeah, is a little so bit you, different. Yeah, so you start out with negative 4 on all of your attack rolls, yep. saving throws, and ability checks, whatever. Uh, when you take a long rest, it negates one of those negatives. So you have negative four to start. You rest for a long rest. You automatically go down to you're still taking a negative, but it's only negative three. And then you go about your day or whatever, and then you do a long rest again. Then you go down to negative two, negative one, and then finally you're back up to regular saving throws, attack rolls, etc. It takes a little while. But the um, solution is much more simple in the fact yeah, that you're yeah. resting and getting better. Right. I gotta say, I like that a lot more. Yeah. Now, here's the thing, and we'll talk about this later on in the episode, like, we don't even play with the whole loss of level and death right. and stuff yeah, like that. Don't. So that's not an issue because because nobody in our group thinks that's a good rule. Yeah. And so one of the things that I appreciate about the Dungeon Master's Guide is that it says, if you and your group do not think something is a good rule, 
That's cool. The biggest rule in Dungeons and Dragons is supposed to be have fun, so change rules however you want. Yeah. Now dying should be scary, but I yeah. feel like that's a little ridiculous. Yeah. Well, it's just we try and make a balanced game, and so everybody being at the same level is important to us. So that's not something that we allow to happen. Now I do like that five e the five e like consequences. I like that a lot because it fixes itself, and it does have that en- essence of. You're being brought back from the dead, and it's going to take a little time to get back up to fully being yourself again, but it's not so shattering of a consequence. I like it a lot. I do. Yeah, so one other thing that I was going to say about uh, Resurrection in in 5e is that they realize that this is a huge spell that you're trying to cast. Mm -hmm. It is taking basically everything you have and saying, I'm putting all of my spells, everything back into this character to make them come back to life. And it says you can't cast any other spells the rest of that day until you take a long rest. I like it's like that. it's like that's such a huge ordeal. It's so taxing on you because you're you're repairing organs. Your limb is missing. You're or, bringing the limb back. Yeah. Everything like it takes a lot longer than regular spells. Right, of right. Six seconds. Like it right. takes. I believe casting time is one hour. Oh yeah, in in, uh, in, here, yeah. in three point five, it's only it's only ten minutes. Yeah, and I've made it much more of a bigger ordeal, and I've just been like, whatever. Yeah. I'm gonna say that's what I usually have them say when they're like trying to resurrect a. A person I have the cleric say to the players, come back in an hour yeah. while we conduct the ceremony. Yep. I've even had it like be like role playing wise, had it be like there's a couple clerics that have to gather around this person to resurrect them. Right. It's to, a like, pretty big you know, ordeal, yeah. May, and it doesn't even have to be part of the spells, but especially you bring it to a temple. Temples are there because they're worshiping a god. Maybe they have to do their own rituals before they will bring back somebody's body. Maybe they have to like right. do something. You know, maybe a temple of St. Cuthbert would be afraid that something evil would come back, and so they have to make sure to do the proper rituals to make sure this body does right. not come back as something that it's not supposed to. Now, the other option besides resurrecting a character, whether it's an option or just something you have to do, is a player, after their character has died, makes a new character. Yep. Um, a new character joins the group. There are there's decisions that need to be made here. The first one is, as the dungeon master, I have to figure out what level is that character starting at. Now, in 5e, Chris, we haven't seen anything. Yeah, I looked throughout the whole player's handbook, a couple of things online. But, I mean, in 3.5, it's in the dungeon master's guide that you find this stuff, correct? Yes. Yeah. And the dungeon master's guide isn't out yet for, uh, for 5e, not until December 9th. Uh, which is going to be nice because some of these questions will get answered. It's one that I don't think a lot of people are looking forward to as Dungeon Masters because it's something that's <laughs> like, yeah, you can do without it. Like, yeah. we've been playing already without it. It'll add some cool elements, but, like, for example, death. How does it How does it handle death? Um, but as far as I can tell, there's not anything as far as, like, what level do people start at if they decide to make a new character. So, yeah. And in 3.5, there is... If you go to, in the DMG page 41 to 42, it talks about all the rules of character death and such like that, and it talks about how to bring character back, and it says, you as a DM need to figure out what level they're coming back at, and it gives a bunch of options, it gives a bunch of examples, and basically there are three main ideas behind it that you as a DM need to choose. Now, there are dungeon masters out there who, in my opinion, are crazy. Yeah. (laughs) And if you're one of them, you're crazy. Yeah. But they will say, no matter what level the party is at, you die, you make a new character, 
What level are you starting at? Level one. Sucks to suck. <laughs> yes, Start at level one. Yeah, and the idea behind that is if you're playing in a group with higher level characters, they're going to be fighting monsters that are going to give you a ton of XP, so you'll get caught up semi-quick. Yeah, if you survive. Yeah, the problem <laughs> is that you're a level one character and you might be fighting frost giants, and yeah. if you get... If you get one hit, you're dead again. Guess you're starting out at level one get again. Up, get <laughs> one. Yeah. Can I so, just use the same character again? Yeah, and right. say he comes change in, his name. his name. It's his twin brother. <laughs> Harry, uh, where are Yarp, you? And now I'm playing Darp. Yeah, right. Uh, but yeah, so level one, some DMs will start that out. Not something that I would recommend, but yeah. it's your campaign, it's your players. Maybe your players want to do that. Uh, the other idea, I think, is that they uh, will start at one level lower than the lowest level character already in the campaign. That's a bit more generous. It's a bit more generous. Um, you're still behind. It's still going to take time to catch up. And like we said, you're never going to get to the point where you're equal yeah. until somebody else dies. and you know, you're Especially if you don't do equal XP either. Yeah, if you don't you do just... equal XP. Now, the other idea is they come back at the same level. And this is the one that we go for because we play also with the idea that the XP is the same across the board. Everybody's got the ex same XP. As long as you're in the encounter, it's the same XP yeah, across well, the board. Well, we don't yeah. even, we don't even yeah, that's true. We do don't that. Even do if, that yeah. if you miss a night, you're still getting the same XP right. because the idea is that we have players that are committed, and so we know they're going to be here if they right. can. And since we've played it that way, we've enjoyed it more. But yeah, so the idea is either you're coming back in at first level, uh, you're coming in at a lower level than the other characters, hopefully just one lower than the other ones, or you're just coming back in at the same level. Yep. So those are the three options. You as the DM have to choose which one you enjoy better. I think that 5e... I like the whole consequence because it shows that, yeah, there's consequences to death besides that whole resurrection thing. There's consequences to dying besides that whole you're losing levels. Yeah. Now, you're making a new character. The next thing you got to figure out is where are they starting gear and gold ones? Yeah, is it going and, to be the same yeah, as what, what they the died thing, with yeah, and or so equivalent can, to that? Yeah, exactly. You can say, uh, well, they get, they get the same amount as they would have as the other character. Or maybe that's one of their consequences for dying. They don't. They... Yeah. They they start at lower because they haven't been running around adventuring, and so you, as a DM, have to decide where that is. They're starting gear and gold. Is. Yeah, I can imagine if somebody died and they had like an epic sword or like a legendary sword that you, as a DM, created and put into the game. No. They're not automatically going to get one yeah. of equal or lesser exactly. or of equal level. Now, if somebody in the party may have that on them because I would imagine that if they're not going to resurrect that character. So you're going to take it, you know, like I, I would imagine it would still be there, but your guy's not going to start out with it or something of that equal level because exactly. you didn't have it. You know? Exactly. So there, I mean, that's one option that's like a, that's a, con that's definitely could be a consequence or if that's not something you feel like you need to have as a consequence, because let's be honest. A character dying is a consequence in itself. Yeah. Your players put deal. time and effort into it. They've figured out who that character is. It can be pretty upsetting, you know. Yeah. So you don't necessarily need there to be uh, a lower level, less yeah. gold, less gear. You don't need that. That's all something as a DM that you need to figure out. Yeah. So those are those are kind of the options with resurrection or starting new characters. Things that you as a DM need to figure out. Now, one of the things that we want to touch on in with death is the importance of death. And how, as a DM, we need to make sure, as Dungeon Masters, not to overshadow the importance of death. Not to move 
past. We just mentioned that PCs, they put a lot of time and effort yeah. into creating their characters, to investing their characters, to picking feats, to making who their characters are. I mean, you got, you got background stories into some of them. I mean, yeah. you, got, you got a lot of time invested the more playing with this yeah, character. Yeah, exactly. Too. The more time you play as a character in a campaign, the harder the death is going to be yeah. on the player because it's like now you're, in a sense, starting from scratch. So to just, like, your character gets critted and he's dead, and to move on like it's nothing as a dungeon master is a huge mistake that we shouldn't be making. Yeah. You need to make it important. Don't just skip over the death and move on. Now, there's ways that you can do it. First of all, there's ways that you should handle that. Now, whether the party is going to resurrect them or if they're not going to resurrect them, I think that taking the body with you, bringing the body is still important. Yeah, if you have the capability of doing have, so, yeah. yeah. If you have the capability. I mean, if it's going to so kill that, you too to take the body, probably yeah, exactly. not a good idea to take it. But, yeah. you know. But if you can bring it back to that player character's like family or town yeah. to hold a funeral, like that's something that you should do. Speaking of funerals, that's something that you should play out. Whether you bring it back to the town or like you said, you're in a dungeon that is super dangerous. Carrying this body through the dungeon is going to put your life in huge jeopardy. Yeah. It's not going to happen or there, you know that you're going to have to jump over like a crevasse or something. You're not going to be able to do it so you have to leave the body behind. Don't just... Don't encourage the players to just leave the body well, behind. Well, see you later. Or yeah. dump it into the crevice exactly. or something. Like, hey, okay, Bob, your character's dead. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on. Bob, start working on another character. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, no. Like, hold some kind of funeral service for them. Encourage your the rest of your players to have some kind of either burial or uh, funeral pyre. You can ask the player, like, your character's dead. We've been part of a group for a while. Would your guy, you know, with the idea that adventuring is dangerous, have said... I would have liked, if I die, please dispose of my body in this way. Yeah. Burial, funeral pyre, whatever yeah. it is. Send me off, and we've done, uh, in Sons of Bastion, you got put into a boat, and kind of Viking style, and shot off into the lake, and then they shot you with fiery arrows, right. and things sunk, like yeah. Viking funeral. All these different ways that you can hold funerals, but hold it. Encourage your players to say a few words over the body before yeah. moving on. One thing that we've uh, done is we've had, like, sad funeral music on our playlist. Yeah. Like, I remember the one of the first funerals we had was so great. I had the, uh, this, like, Scottish Amazing Grace, yeah. like, bagpipes. And it was just like, I almost felt like there were tears in the player's eyes as we were mourning the death of deal. Ren and, yeah. like, just putting on this funeral as this music is going on. It was the, and the best thing was it was the way that we ended the night. So it was like, everybody walked away from that table just nodding me, like, that was right. That man. was a good night. That, that was, was a good place to end. That was it, man. Yeah, I know. Like in in one of my campaigns, I played with and this. This wasn't with you as a DM. This was one of my uh, other friends that was a DM. Uh, there was a moment where we had to hold a funeral service for somebody because they died in a battle. We were fighting. I think it was like an extra planar ice wolf or some some crazy <laughs> cool. thing. Yeah, it was sweet. Uh, we ended up killing it, but one of our buddies ended up dying in the process. And so what we did is, I mean, obviously we didn't have money to do, you know, the, the resurrection spells and stuff. And it was a one-off campaign. So it's yep. like, well, you know, we're not going to, or one-off night. So it's like, well, we're not going to do anything with these guys afterwards. And so what we did is we, we got the ice wolf body. It was still there. Stacked a whole bunch of wood on top of it. Made like this platform that our buddy could get cremated on. And like, as like a sign of triumph, like burned him on top of the body. Showing that he had like, like we had conquered this guy. And you know, it, it was a... It was cool. It was a big deal, you know? Yeah. Um, but but things like that, adding a funeral component in there, having somebody come up with a speech or having the characters come up with a speech about their, their friend or their buddy or whatever is 
is a really cool idea. It makes you know? it so much more important, so much more memorable. Yep. Like, if you just skip over character deaths, they're not going to be memorable. And yeah. it pays homage to not just the character that's been played, but to the player going, we we respect you enough and the fact that you put time and energy into this character that we want to hold a service for you and make it a big deal right. and be sad about right. it. I've even seen like playable characters like during the funeral, like say, I, I can't, I can't say anything mm-hmm. because it's like, they're just like, and and I've talked to some of those players, and they're like, yeah, I just couldn't think of anything. Yeah. <laughs> but they're like, no, no, no. But like, other I times. I wanted to role play that it was like, I was so torn up. Yeah. I just could not, I couldn't bring myself to say anything because it was so sad. Or they actually were torn up inside. Well, they, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's just a great way to make sure that the players know that you value their characters in your story and to make it a little bit, death is awful as a player who's put you know all that work into character. So it's a good way to ease the blow. I yep. think everybody's, if when your character dies, everybody has a right to be a little upset and to brood a little bit. And then there reaches a point where you're like, all right, you got to move on. Like, let's keep playing. Like, yeah. But having a funeral or something like that helps to soften the blow and get get it to be a good memory to look back on. The funerals we've had, like like you said, like they're like stuff that we can look back to this day from this day and be like, that was, that was cool, pretty cool. That was a cool yeah. moment. Way to send that character off. Way to continue the legend and the legacy of that character. Yeah. Uh, we talked about a little bit how you could also make resurrecting, like a different, like making it part of the story, making all the clerics like have to do certain rituals. You have a side quest maybe where they have yeah. to go and gather materials yeah, for exactly. the specific resurrection. Yeah. Exactly. You could, if you have a cleric in your group that has the casting, resurrection, resurrecting spells, encourage them to not just say, I cast this spell, but to conduct a service or a ritual that has to do with whatever god they worship. Like, yeah. that is such a cool role-playing door to open with that. So those are those are some ways that you can focus on death in a positive way in a campaign. Don't ever just, like, jump over it like it's nothing. Yeah, you need it's to usually not nothing. Yeah, especially yeah. to whoever's character it was. Even... Even a character that's an NPC, that's a big part of the campaign, you should have there be a service for them, a funeral service, something. Um, It's important to making sure that NPCs and PCs are all paid homage. Now, let's talk about one of the things that we uh, do, some of the things that we do in our campaign when it comes to death and dying and how we handle that. Way back when we first started playing, we loved the fact that in D&D you got to create your characters and we love the fact that you got to continue on the stories with the, and make stories and stories and stories upon with those characters. And like we we walk away from D and D table and like our girlfriends would be like, "You guys talk too much D and D because we get together and we just want to." They talk still about do the that. Who are we? Yeah, kidding? well, they still do. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's like and quite honestly, probably we do. But yeah, it's like we just have so many. We made so many stories that we like are able to like just be like, remember the time that this happened with this guy. Now, part of the thing with that is we made these characters that we loved. And so, really, in our beginning days of D anD D, there was no death. No, <laughs> like, you you did not die at we, all. We, I, you know, as me being the one of the people who like stood up and said, "I'll DM," not knowing the rules exactly. Resurrection was, I think, we started as like five thousand gold. I didn't know all the different spells that you know were with resurrection. We just had like five thousand gold. You get resurrected at a right. temple. Now that was really hard starting out. But then we got to the point where it was like, 5,000 gold, whatever, whatever. drop it down. Like, yeah. I'm going to charge I'm gonna charge into a room with a ballot. Exactly. Demon. And so it um, it became, I think, 
a huge problem. Yeah. Now, Abused, knowing the yeah. rules, it becomes a little bit easier. But but you could play a campaign with going. I'm not gonna. I don't want to kill my playable characters. And you know what? It could work. It could be. It could be completely fine. The old your characters are all gonna die. So you as the DM rolling behind a screen, start rolling fake, and and there's nothing wrong with changing your roles. That is your right to the DM rolling to the point where you're gonna save the characters out of a bad situation. Even if they put themselves in a situation, the old standby of, oh no, all my characters are going to die. All my characters are dead. What do I do? Uh, I'll have a god come down and save them all. Yeah. And they're fine and they're good again. But there's a huge problem that we found with the idea of not having death be a part well, of the campaign. Well, it, it changes to that point where people can abuse it very yes. quickly. Like, I was joking about, you know, I'm going to rush into the room with a Balor demon, but if you knew you weren't going to die, you probably joke. would yeah. rush into the room we've with a Balor seen demon. It. Yeah, we've yeah. seen it to the point where the one of the, the biggest problems with not having death in the campaign is that there's no real fear in the players. I'm going to roleplay this in a realistic way. Yeah. Because I don't, like, I don't give a crap what character you make. They're not going to look at a room full of six Balor demons and go, Leroy Jenkins! And be unless a, you're Leroy Jenkins, unless you're of Leroy course. Jenkins. And we know how that turned out. Yeah, he still died and yeah. everybody hated With him everybody else. Yeah. But yeah, it's like you, you reach this point where it's like, oh, the DM's going to save my butt no matter what I do. There's no fear. And since we started playing with death, which has been for a while now, being a real, very real thing in our campaigns... I think as DM and as players, like, we all enjoyed it a lot more because it's, like, more stressful in a good way and it puts a more realistic thing of, I've got to figure out what the right choice is here or because I'm not just going to, like, if I make a dumb decision, then my character's going to die. I remember the hardest thing for me as the DM was making that initial switch and having players make really stupid decisions and having to enforce it. And, like, having players look at me like, you're not going to pull me out of this one? It's like, no, that was the worst that was decision a dumb you idea. could have ever made. Yeah. Like, and usually as the DM, I give you warnings, like, are you sure you want to do that? And, like, it's like, if you say yes, like, you better be ready. You better be ready for the consequences. <laughs> so death is really, death is good in It a can way. be, yeah, it can be yeah, a good thing. It can yeah. be really good because... The idea of death makes characters, it makes players play. Yeah, it makes you treat the situation as if it was really real. And without death, you don't have those cool funeral moments. You don't have those moments where it's like somebody died in an epic way at the end of a battle. We, in the Sons of Bastion campaign, we had one character die at the end before the last hit was hit on a, on the boss, before the campaign was ended, he died. Not even like... The round before, but the turn before? It was, yeah, because I was the one that killed the main bad guy. He, like, ran up, was like, I'm going to do this. I was like, no, you don't have the sword. You can't. (laughs) And he just, like, got bashed off of the building and and died. And he, got disintegrated, and he died. That was his fourth character that died that campaign. Well, and while that was a really dumb decision on his part, like, he knew that that was... I think it was like him testing me as a DM, like you won't do this. You've already killed three of mine. I was like, mine. yeah, I've killed that. <laughs> like you, you make that decision. You're like, you know, this is wrong. Yeah. Sorry, but this guy's. Uh, you need this special power weapon, and so it was like one second before. But it did create this epic like moment of like last battle being thrown across. It showed the power of this. Well, bad it guy. made me and reconsider. Like, like yeah. oh <laughs> crap, I'm ru- should I run at this thing? <laughs> but then it also made your action like so much more cool yeah. because it had. We had showed how crazy bad this bad guy was, and the key component that you had made it be like more of a powerful moment. So death can be really, really yeah. good. Yeah. Um, one of the things that we've homebrewed is 
and we've talked about this a little is in my campaigns because I still see I still see death is not it shouldn't happen like crazy. Yeah. Now you just mentioned you know this character had four char- this player had four characters die. Well, that was one in the span of a year campaign, and I think Chris did he make good decisions. No, most no. Of, I would say three of the four three were of the terrible four, decisions. Three of the four were like that was your fault. He also he also like, made other decisions with other characters that should have gotten him killed. Yeah, yeah, but and, but yeah. So um, we but I still respect the fact that death should be a big thing, and I also like the fact that you guys all like as a DM, and I'm sure you feel the same way as a DM. I like the fact that you guys all love your characters. Yeah, and so for me as a DM, I never want I never want the players to die. Um, it's a sad day for me too because I know that it's gonna that character is no longer part of the story that you as the DM weave together. And so one of the things that I've changed with three point five is I've made negative fifteen dead instead of negative ten. Adds just a little giving, bit more of a buffer there, giving a little bit more. And like like I even said it earlier in the beginning, we're planning on the campaign that we're playing now and going pretty high in level. So I might even change that to be higher depending on what level we're at. Yeah, um, but it helps. Give it, yeah, like you said, give a little bit more of a buffer. One thing that we've played with, and this this I got from, uh, dare I say it, uh, the, I believe, 4E had this in it, and I kind of changed it a little bit and took it for three point uh, for 3.5 is we have these life points. Mm-hmm. And they're, like, we give them to players, and they can use it to bring their character from dead to zero and stable. Yeah. And they only have, like, very few of these, like, one a campaign or two a campaign, depending on the length of the campaign. And that gives it like a, well, once your life point is gone, you're not going to have a life point. So you still play carefully yeah. because you don't want to have to use that life point. Yeah. Yeah. You, I, I think it was called second wind in 4E that you took it from. You kind of modified it a little bit from that. Yeah. That's where I got that idea from. I liked that one idea from 4E. Good job, 4E. <laughs> um, and then the, the one of the last things that we've done differently is... Um, we've changed a lot about resurrection. When we do use resurrection, we don't have the level drain, the constitution drain, um, because we like to keep the game balanced with XP. Right. And so that's that's something that we've done. And I guess that can be a problem because... It takes away some of that, a little bit of that fear of dying. There's yeah, still the money component of it. But Yeah, and if that's an issue, you still... Yeah, there's still the money component in resurrection. If you go by the rule book, it's really expensive. And then if you want to... Take a leaf out of that 4E book and give it that negative to hit and, like, you need to rest and whatever. Yeah, the, the um, 5E one you made. Exactly. Yeah, I, and so, yeah, it could have been that in 4E, too. I don't yeah, know. and so that's that's some things that we've done differently. Um, now, before we end this section of the meet, I think we want to just quickly uh, review the big don'ts of death and dying. So one, and we've, we didn't yeah. really say this, but one, we've talked about this before in past episodes, don't ever purposely as a dm kill a character we joke about it in the intro and the yeah. outro of the show like <laughs> oh, you still you're, capa- still you're capable of killing yeah. characters that doesn't mean you should no. yeah don't ever do that out of a revenge thing out of anything you need to either have that be the monsters have killed them or sometimes unfortunately players will do really dumb things and put themselves in situations that there's no other option yeah you but have. for them to die yeah. yeah but don't ever purposely kill a player character yeah and like we said earlier too number two would be don't ever look at a pc's death as as a being unimportant like it's a it's a big deal people have put time into this as a dm even if it's not if you're not planning on somebody dying 
don't just say, well, I didn't plan for this. Mm -hmm. Guess I have to skip over it. Like, if they want to do something about it, let them do something about it. And even if you're a DM, try and steer them in that way. Because it's a, it's a big deal. Even if it's the first night and a character dies, it's still a big deal that that yes. character died. You know, make it, make it important. Our third point that we want to bring up is when a character dies, uh, if and when, don't ever kick the player out. Don't say, hey, you're done for the night. Go home. I think that's been... Like, the tendency for, especially, like, old-school Dungeons & Dragons, when a character dies, it's like, all right, man, sorry, dude, you're done for the night. And we've, that's an awful, awful thing to do. You're getting together with all your friends to have a good time together at the table. I understand it's like, all right, we've got ten minutes left of this campaign, like, or of the night, like, we're not going to have you jump back in as whatever, right. you know, it is. But it's like, we've had games where somebody has, their characters died, 10 minutes into starting. So it's like... To yeah, say, like we pick up like in a battle where it left yeah. off and he dies. It's like... To say, all right, man, sorry. See you later. <laughs> Tough luck. Yeah. See you later. Yeah. That's, that's no fun for anybody. You're all there to have fun with each other. You're missing the company of their friendship and they are they would miss the company of, you know, your, you guys and then they go home and they're like, what? And then it just makes it... Makes their night an oh, you're, awful you're night. You're home already? Even worse. You're yeah. home already? Yeah, my DM kicked me out because <laughs> yeah. my character died. So we uh, have some options of what you can do instead of kicking a player out, saying sayonara, making them leave. Uh, the first is uh, make sure everybody has at least one backup character. Yeah. Um, just have one character written up at the level you're currently at. Even if you level up, then that's all they need to do before you bring them back in. It's, of course, probably going to take a couple minutes or whatever, maybe even 30 minutes for you to get to a point where you're like, okay, this makes sense, let's bring in this new character. Well, and depending on where they die, too, it may be 30 minutes until they yeah. can come in again, too. Exactly. Like, if you're in the middle of a battle, it's like, hey, guys, I'm here! You're not just yeah. going to have some random character come <laughs> running in and say... And, yeah, and you could. It could, yeah. it could make sense that, like, maybe the, maybe the character's like a hunter that's going through the woods and yeah. being attacked, yeah. and he jumps in and helps you, and that's how you introduce him. But you can, you know, there. you don't want to have some dumb reason, some dude falls out of the sky and... Yeah. Um, oh, sorry, my hot air balloon popped. Here I come. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Henry Gale. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, so he, um, I think it's good to have players have a backup character so that, you know, you, you say, sorry, man, like, I feel bad, but at least you have this next character coming yeah. up. We'll work him in. Yeah. Then he gets to continue and play for the rest of the night. Yeah. I mean, it, the second thing I guess you could do, too, is most campaigns that I've played anyways have an NPC of some sort. Yep. And so you could even just say, hey, here's the stats for this NPC. You're controlling him the rest of the night, you know, unless like you have dialogue planned as the DM, you can still control that maybe. Or, you know, if, if you're going to be doing combat, like say, hey, just take over as this yeah. NPC, you know, you can, you can play as him the rest of the night. So at least they still have some way that they're involved in the group. And you as the DM, like, you know, you should know when that would be appropriate. And even as Chris said, right. they don't have to control the dialogue. They can control the just the actions of it. There's going to be times where you're like, all right, you know this this NPC enough that I'm going to let you play the dialogue. But then there's going to be times where you're like, I don't want to let you like dialogue this character because you have no idea who they right. really are or whatever. And you as the DM are like, I don't want somebody to mess this character up. Yeah. He has such a like crucial point in the story. Uh, another thing that we didn't even uh, write down in our notes was you could have them even jump on your side have them help control the monsters with you. Give them yeah. something to yeah. do. Uh, like that's that's really what it comes down to is not kicking them out, 
but giving them something to do. Well, then there's, I mean, when you let them control the creatures, there's always that side of like, oh, now it's my yeah, turn now to it's have my... a little fun. It's like them versus the players a little bit. Yeah, he looks back at the players, he's just like, you didn't heal me in time, yeah, you yeah, jerks. Yeah. <laughs> he pulled the, uh, he pulled a card that just flipped his alignment or whatever real quick to chaotic <laughs> right. evil from lawful good. Um, if you have a necromancer that they're fighting, you can just raise the guy's body up and you just continue to let him play as an yeah. undead evil guy. Yeah. That'd be sweet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that we've done that I think that uh, we both really have seen work really well is we have stated a rule that if your character dies in the during the night... We will let you, if it dies like super early on or you have like a couple hours left or whatever, we say you will get to play that character for the rest of the night because you've invested in this character. We, we're not going to kick you out. We're going to like let you continue to play. Right. But your character did just die there. So instead of him being dead and just you sitting there and doing nothing, they're going to be mortally wounded. They're going to be, you know, they're bleeding inside, internally. Or they've got a wound that's just not gonna, they're just not gonna be able to make it. The right. healers can't do anything for them to heal them. You, you state to the players with this rule, your character is in my hands. I'm gonna let you play him throughout the night, but you're giving, if you would like to continue playing with him, you're gonna give me, the DM, creative control over that character's death. And as long as you're a trustworthy DM that respects the players and respects their characters, this can be such an amazing thing. Uh, because you can have that pl that player's character instead of dying from just a crit from a knoll that like really is t completely meaningless. You can have them get up to the boss battle and have that boss that they have to that you're trying and trying and trying to make those characters hate with a passion. Have that boss kill that yeah. character in a terrible way, like just snap his neck or like rip his heart out or something. Yeah. That 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 player's character goes down. Maybe he jumps in. Maybe he jumps in front of another character, saving their life, but taking that, you know, taking quote unquote the bullet for that character. Yeah. Like it, it can make a, a way better story of how a character dies. It can aid you as the DM as far as making characters, their characters hate somebody, a specific enemy. It just all around. It can also let the player, uh, player's character go out like in a blaze of glory. Just yeah. better death. But you have to have that connection between player and character and trust and let them, and make sure you let them know, I'm going to kill this character in a way that is, you know, it's going to be epic and it's going to be respectful to you as a player. I'm not going to drop a rock on his head. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you got to the end of the night you while you've been traveling for an hour and, well, there's no other way to kill you. You exactly. trip and fall and snap your neck. Exactly, you know, like, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, the first death should be... Should not be better than the death that you killed. Right. So right. we talked about this earlier in the episode, um, but your and we talked about it in previous episodes. But Balfour and oh, yeah. Dwarf yeah. was one. He of went through cases. this very situation. Like he, yeah. I don't remember what we were fighting, but it was like he tons just got of, like you were fighting tons of there were flesh golems and there were uh, basically mages that were shooting like all these spells and they had like these bomb artifacts. Yeah, and I, I don't remember, it was really stupid, like, how, it wasn't, it was one of those situations where yeah. it's like, I just got, like, attacked by a ton of guys randomly, and it was just like, I was in the wrong place at the wrong time, it's like, uh, 
Okay, it's the beginning of the and night. The, the funniest thing, yeah, it happened right at the beginning of the night. The funniest thing yeah. was, it happened multiple times throughout the night. And it was like, the same type died. of things happened. Yeah. Like, I just got, like, I like it wasn't because anything, it's just everything seemed to hit me that night, and I died, like, Your three different times. Your character died, like, I think, like, three to four times that night. Like you yeah. just said, like, it was, and it was all from the same stuff, and it's just like, so we just had this image of your dwarf Balfour just getting wounded and wounded and yeah. wounded, like even worse and worse. And finally, we get to that boss battle at the end, and your character's just like bleeding and scarred. Yeah, and he's burnt. like missing a leg. Yeah, and, so and then just the crazy. boss is gonna die. He opens up his cloak, and he's got all those bomb gems on him. Yeah, everybody rolls to reflex. Luckily of enough, course. you did miss it. <laughs> I was going to probably say, all right, creative control, here we go. This is where I'm going to have you die. But you did roll and you missed it. And I was like, perfect. Yeah. And so your character blew up in a crazy fire explosion for an enemy that was like the the right-hand man of the bad guy in the yeah. campaign, making yeah. them hate that bad guy even more. Yep. It was just a great way. I you you enjoyed it. Yes, I did. You, yeah, it was like better yeah. than just the ah, uh, my character died in yeah. battle. Like nothing significant. Yeah, it was it was way better. We talk about it to this day. That's the yeah. thing. Like yeah, I I enjoyed story. that a lot. And so that you know, letting people play their characters till the end of the night can be a great thing. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, it's good. Just just be smart about it as a DM. Now I will say this as far as uh, kicking a player out when their character dies. There's only one time that I think that is appropriate. And that's if a character dies and the player simply cannot get over it and they bring the mood down the whole entire night in a bad, bad mood, just there being a virus to the group. And as a DM, you need to realize, you need to give them like 30 minutes. Their character just died. It's a an lot awful of time. Thing. Tell them, you know, if they're really upset, be like, all right, dude, just go take a walk or like... Just, you know, chill on the couch for a minute. Like, we we, we know. We're going to take a break. Play some uh, Skyrim. Make yourself yeah. absolutely you amazing for a little bit. You don't want to just be like, two minutes after, you'd be like, dude, get over it. Yeah. Like, their character died. That sucks. Yeah. But you especially don't if you've been doing a campaign for like six months. Yeah, time especially if the, the longer they've been playing that character, the more the more reason like they have to be upset. Yeah. You as well, like the group should be upset with them. Yeah, that's the only time I would say it was would even be really appropriate is if a person was, you know, being difficult to the point that the entire group could move on. Yeah, yeah and I think our last don't would probably be, and this is. You know, like we've said, however you want to run your campaigns, but me and Chris would advise don't steer clear of dying and death as being part of your campaigns because I think that we both would agree we've gone through that and we've seen the negatives of that, of characters, players without fear and without consequences. Yeah. So don't steer clear of dying. So, all right, time to go to the light bulb. For uh, the light bulb this week, Mitch, you have an interesting way that you handle death and dying. You have something called the life point system. Yeah. Do you want to explain that a little we bit? We mentioned it a little bit. The idea came from the 4E, what is it called, Second Wind? Yeah. So at the beginning of my campaigns now, I give each character one life point. We use these, We I've took. I've taken like a bunch of like pennies and I've spray painted them gold to look like gold coins. So we use Don't those. tell the government. <laughs> you, uh, we've... Uh, <laughs> We've used those like just tokens that you hold on to that. That's your life point. Once you're ready to use it, you hand it in to me. And so these life points are if you become if you're if you're dead, you can use it 
to go back up to zero and become stable, so you're disabled. We've had a couple players had to use it before, and I think it's generally a liked rule because it's like it gives you that, all right, I, like I still don't want my character to have to use it because then I don't have it, but if I die once, like I have this to give myself a little cushion. <laughs> yeah. So um, as a player... Chris, what are your thoughts about like having that be part of your game? Yeah, I like it a lot. I mean, it's you you can still do risky things. I mean, you can you can try something that you wouldn't otherwise try. I mean, you have that one chance where it's like I can be brought back up to zero. I can try and do this cool move on this this uh, enemy that might kill it, or I could absolutely get decimated. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like it's a reward almost for being risky, but you only get that reward once. Yeah. You know? uh, <laughs> choose, it's, choose your riskiness. Yeah, choose your riskiness wisely. You know? uh, <laughs> so I, I like it for that point. My, my one question to you is I don't think we've ever run into this yet, but is there ever a point where you can't use a life point? Uh, yeah, I, I've stated that before. I've said there's going to be certain times that your character dies. For example, blowing up. Yeah, probably can't that use would, one. if your character is blown smithereens and not a piece left behind of him, like you're not going to be able to use yeah. your life point for that. If your character has his heart ripped out of his chest and eaten by an ogre, you're not going to be <laughs> able to use a life point for that. But most of the times with those certain deaths, I think in at least from what's happened in my campaign, characters have died in ways that they can't use life points because they've put themselves in really bad situations where they've had hint after hint, and they've continued to go and continue to try it, and it's like, like, I remember one time, like, one of the, one of our players' characters died, and it's like, everybody was looking at him like, why did you do that? You knew that was yeah. dumb. Why in the world would you do that? Like, we were, I feel like everybody at the table was actually angry at him, because it's like, Mitch gave you, Mitch gave you, like, an idea that this was gonna happen, like, he hinted at that this was not a good idea, you continued to be stubborn and push yourself to that point, and your character died, and so we're all, like, being like, why would you do that? And I remember him, he just, like, asked in the questioning voice, life point? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, no. And yeah. I just moved on. I was like, I, that's I, not yeah, happening. Yeah, I think one of those things, too, that's nice about the life point is if you find yourself in a really unfortunate situation that you didn't put yourself in. So yeah. say you, like, you walk into a room and there's, like, 20 goblins in it and you just, like, get massacred walking <laughs> into this room. It's like, you didn't know that those were behind there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just found yourself in a really, or, or say for example, a couple of creatures crit hit you and you're like, well, I'm screwed. I can't do anything. You know, like I, I didn't do anything to deserve this. I didn't put myself in a bad spot. You still have that little bit of, of what's the word I'm looking for here? Like the cushion. Cushion. Yeah. Yeah. Gives you a little bit of a cushion where it's like, all right, I can be saved despite the unsort, un, despite the unlucky circumstances. Yeah. The uns- unlucky, saved, unlucky yeah. circumstances I can find myself in. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, so that's, that's our light bulb for the week. Take it or leave it. I say take it. Alright. That's all we have for our episode of the Dungeon Masters Block today. We hope that this was uh, fun for you to listen to, informative in ways. Maybe you were a little confused on resurrection rules, whether it be 5e or 3.5. This was something fun for us to talk about. We had a lot of fun planning this and, and discussing this on this episode. We just want to let you guys know we really we really like interacting with you. We care about you. We want to hear what you have to say. And so there are a couple of ways that you can get in contact with us if you want to continue the conversations we've had today. You can email us at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. 
You can subscribe to us on iTunes. You can leave us a comment. You can come, you can uh, talk to us through that. Leave us a five five star comment on there. Uh, Mitch, what's another way? You can follow us on Twitter and interact with us there. Our Twitter address is at DMS underscore block. That's at DMS block on Twitter. And then you can also like us on Facebook and talk to us on there. Yeah. So once again, thank you for listening to this episode of the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we focus on the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all the people at the table. Stay alive, guys. Stay alive. Goodbye.